So on this podcast, I'm joined by Football CFB, the host of uh, Callum McFadden. Hi, Callum, how are you doing? Hi, Regan. I'm, I'm very good, and I have to say, I said it to you off air, I'm a massive, massive fan of what you do. I think the guests you've had has been brilliant. I think your enthusiasm is brilliant, and it's an absolute honour to be on your show. So thank you so much for asking. Oh, thank you, Cam. I really appreciate that. Look, Cam, I just want to talk about how, first of all, you got in, involved in, foot, in football CFB and how you set it up. So basically, the, the CFB was something that I started in 2020, just in January, so at the start of the year. Um, basically, I, I'm 25 now, but when I left school at 17, I always wanted to work in sports media um, or sports journalism. But my family and friends at the time had said, if you don't know anyone in the industry, it could be quite hard to get in. So um, I went down a different route, went to uni, graduated with an education, uh, worked in education for for, for four or five years. Um, changed, changed role this summer to something that's very different to what I've been doing before. Absolutely loving it. But um, in terms of CFB, I've always been passionate about football and I thought to myself, I, I really would love to set my own platform up, but I just didn't know how to do it. So I, I read up about having a website and podcasts, etc., because they, they, they were obviously out there. And I realised, just as you have, Regan, that it's it's not as hard to set one up as you think when you think about Anchor yeah, and, and the way about it. So I set it up and interviewed a couple of people I knew. So I knew Kerr Waddle personally from his time at Morton. I knew Robbie Crawford because I worked with his brother in a previous job. And um, I just started with people I knew and, and people seemed to enjoy it and it grew from there. So in terms of how it started, there was no big grand plan or anything. It was just something that I wanted to do to give me a, an outlet for, for my passion for football. And did I ever think it would take off, if I'm honest with you? Not not really. I didn't think many people would be interested in, in me or, or the shows that I was making. But as I say, luckily they have been in. And even if there wasn't a big audience, I still wouldn't change it because, as you know, um, with your show, it's just just getting the chance to speak to people within football is amazing. Yeah. So how much how much time do you put into CFB per week? Oh, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, I think in terms of hours, probably about four, at least four hours a day. Um, so you're talking about maybe 28 hours a week. So... I've got a full-time job, um, as I say, that I have to do. So that takes my time up from about eight in the morning to about half past four or five at night. Um, and then the, the, the hours after that, till about maybe between five and nine o'clock, I'll, I'll do some CFB stuff. Um, not necessarily every night. It can be. Like for instance, this week in particular is going to be a mega busy week. Some weeks you can maybe just have the one interview or whatever. So it varies in terms of how it goes, but I'm very lucky that my fiance, um, she's very supportive of it. And for me, I'm one of these people, Regan, that see when I've got too much free times in my hand, I get bored very easily and I never know what to do. I watch the football and I think, right, what can I do now if there's no football on? So for me, it's just been, <laughs> I put my free time into it because she'll tell you and end date knows me, I'll tell you when I've got too much time in my hands, I'm, I'm annoying because I, I don't know what to do with myself. So for people that's not listened to football CFB, who have you had on so far, Callum? 
Um, so in terms of guests that I've had on, um, I've had Henrik Larson on, who obviously played at Celtic. Um, from the Rangers side, I've had Barry Ferguson on. Um, from out with Scotland, I've had Sven Joran Eriksson, who used to manage England. Matt Tissy, who was at Southampton. Um, Jao Trallo, who was Thierry Henry's assistant manager at Monaco. Um, there's, there's been a wealth of guests. Most of them have been... Uh, UK based where they've played for a UK club or they've managed at a UK club but there's been there's been some exceptions as well I had the, the Mozambique manager on um, Luis Cancalves who was Cristiano Ronaldo's youth coach when he was at Sporting as a 17 year old so I've, I've tried to just keep it as varied as possible um, and, and the one thing I would say of all the guests whether it's Henrik Larson or whether it's Kerr Waddle or Christian Naddy who were my first two guests are I genuinely appreciate the time that everyone gives me because, as, as we've said already, I mean, just speaking to anyone in football was an honour because whether they've played League Two in Scotland, the Lowland League in Scotland, or they've played in the Champions League, they've played at a higher level than I've ever played at, so I'm just interested in that insight. Just to get an opportunity with Football Pass, what, what, what has Football Pass been like? Football Pass has been absolutely brilliant, Regan. Um, Grant Phillips... Um, and, and the producer of the show, um, Norman, are absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, you've spoken to Grant Phillips, of course, who, who was in charge of BT Sport Scotland, and Grant's someone who I've got so much admiration for. When you look at the, the the BT Sport coverage we had for many years with Ali McCoys, Chris Sutton, they still have the show now, Michael Stewart, Stephen Craig, and Rory Hamilton, Daryl Curry, etc. Emma Dodds, there's so many names to mention. I really enjoy what Grant does. He's been involved in the industry for a number of years. So when there was an opportunity to, to work for football, do a wee bit of work with Football Pass, um, for me it was a no-brainer because if I can learn, well, I've got the opportunity to learn from, from Grant and, and the team there, so I'd be daft to turn it down. But it's great. I, I, I've interviewed through Football Pass, um, Ollie Shaw at Ross County, Gordon Strachan, um, Davy Weir, Alec McLeish, and every single person involved at Football Pass who you see on screen but also off screen are an absolute joy to work with. They're all so experienced, they're all so knowledgeable. But do you know the main thing that sums them all up? They're all supportive. I mean, Grant Phillips has been in the business for 20, 20 odd years and he's such a supportive guy. He obviously knows what he wants, as you know from speaking to him, he's got high standards. But yeah. he's also supportive, and he'll, he'll help you in any way he can. So, honestly, it's been such a such a wonderful experience so far. Yeah, who was your footballing hero, Callum? Footballing hero growing up, Regan. I won't lie to to you. Um, was Henrik Larsson. Um, I absolutely loved Henrik when I was when I was growing up. Um, I've, I've been on record. I've said this before. I'm a Celtic fan and a Morton fan, which rubs people up the wrong way. Um, because when I was when I was younger, uh, my mum and dad um, split up when I was two. My mum's side of the family are all Celtic mad. My dad's side were all Rangers mad. So I, I grew up in the Celtic side of the family, so massive Celtic fan growing up. Um, but my dad, obviously, being the Rangers fan, he was never going to take me to Ibrooks. Uh, I'd never be allowed to go to Ibrooks when I was a kid, and he would never uh, he would never have taken me to Celtic Park, of course. So. We went to Morton games regularly. My mum took my cousins, uncles, etc. And I've got so much uh, love for, for Morton as well. Um, and as I say, for me, Larson was the hero because I got to watch him when I was growing up. Obviously, I was young at the time. I was I was 8, 9, 10. And 
and and for me, obviously, I wish I was maybe ten years older when I watched them because of the taking it in so much more. But I remember Cody's testimonial match against Sevilla, um, and I remember just bawling my eyes out after the game. It was just emotional. I remember there was an ABBA tribute band and stuff on at halftime before the game, and <laughs> I just remember the, the the experience has been one that. I was going to say I enjoyed. I enjoyed it in a strange way. I enjoyed it in the crying a lot because obviously it was the last time we got to see him uh, play for Celtic in a in a sort of I say competitive game. It wasn't a competitive, but you know what I mean. While he was still technically at the club, I've seen him in charity games and stuff since. But just a, a great, great guy. And and as I say, getting to speak to him was was just something I never thought I would do. Um, I, I never thought it'd be possible. Um, had ninety minutes with him, and he was just he was very engaging. He was very honest, and and as I say, that's something that will that will live with me forever. And I've got I've got a lot of um, admiration for you and for you and Henrik. So, what would be your favourite uh, footballing memories growing up, Callum? Favourite footballing memories growing up. Um, I, I loved. I'm just I'm going to go with a few lower key ones at the first, and then I'll, I'll go to my main one that involves Henrik. I remember when I was younger, going to Capolo, and uh, my mum took me, and Andy McLaren was playing at, at Morton for, he played for about a year and a half at Morton, and he scored from a corner kick. So I was sitting on the cow shed in the, the seated bit at the front with, with my mum, and I remember him scoring a corner kick, and I remember just as a kid just being utterly amazed that that was possible. Now, obviously, you grow up, and what we're allowed, you know, you love your football more than anyone, Regan. Sky Sports, BT, BBC, and all that. We can watch football every day of the week now. But yeah, growing exactly. up, it was slightly, it was slightly different. So that was the first time, or one of the first times, I remember watching somebody do something live at a game and just thinking, as a kid, what he's he's actually done that. I cannot believe that. So that was incredible. Um, other moments, um, growing up, Morton again. I mentioned the the Scottish Cup victory over over Kilmarnock, where Chris Templeman was was absolutely brilliant in the day as well. I ended up sitting next to a guy who captained my boys' club football team. That was the first time I had ever I had ever met him. So it was it was absolutely mad and something that I'll I'll, I'll never forget as well. But to link it back to Larson Regan, the, I have to say, as a kid, it ended up sad at the end, as, as we all know, but the run to Seville for Celtic was incredible. You think of beating Liverpool, Blackburn, um, it's, it's so many great, great teams along the way. It was Boavista, of course, and uh, to, to get to the yeah. final, it was it was an incredible moment. And, and even when you look back at that final against Porto, obviously Henrik scores two goals. We were all absolutely gutted. Um, if, you, if you've got if you're of a Celtic persuasion, of course. But when you look at that Porto team, in fact, they won the UEFA Cup. They got to win the Champions League, and their manager is Mourinho. I mean, you never want to lose a game, but I don't think it's a game that Celtic or Henrik or anyone should be embarrassed about losing because they did lose to to a really, really great football team as as they were on the show. Still hurts, but I would say that was one of my fondest memories growing up because watching Celtic get to a European final was unbelievable. As I say, I was I was I was in primary four, I think it was at the time, so I never went to Seville, but never claim I went or anything like that. Absolutely not. My my um I've got a family member who, who went and uh, they still talk about it in this day. There was a famous book released about Seville and the names of supporters that went and his names in the book. So he, he loves to, to remind me of that one. Yeah. So, so obviously you're a big Manchester United fan as well, Callum? 
I love Manchester United. Um, you just bought on. That's the game through through my dad, really. Um, he he was a, a massive fan of Sir Alex Ferguson, I suppose. Who, who in Scotland doesn't? And that was my the sort of English side growing up that I was attached to because that was the side that he he um, always spoke about. And some of my family, it's weird. Some I've got cousins that are, are Liverpool fanatics. I've got one cousin who is a Newcastle fan because when he was in his 20s, he walked down in Newcastle and he just gets so into it as a team he follows. So he always tells me about the entertainers of the 90s and uh, David Ginola and players like that. And I always slag him because obviously they're not in the best of times at the moment. But yeah, in terms of English football, Man United's always been the team that, that I've just been, been drawn to because of the history of the club. The You think of the situation in Munich where so many players sadly passed away and Mr. Matt Busby rebuilds the club. Sir Alex Ferguson, of course, was incredible in his time there as well. Even even other Scots in, in times gone by. Also, I do a show with Melly Morgan. More modern day, you get Darren Fletcher, who's now back at the club as a coach. So there's always been a good Scottish connection at Manchester United. And and it's a club that, that I've just, as I say, I just I just have a sort of love, a, a love for because, as I say, the history of the club is just so... So incredible, and I know they've not competed for the Premier League in, in a fair few years now, but they're still a wonderful football club, and um, they're a club that I think is, is are in the hearts of so many people around the world. What well, Manchester United they drew with Everton this weekend? What are you making of Manchester United? Do you think they can make a push for the Premier League? I don't think they will this season, Regan. I think it's too soon. Um, I think they they've made progress. Obviously, that they're closer to the top than they have been for for a number of years. Um, I think if they were to win the Premier League, well, I think that result against Everton shows you they won't. But if they were, they need Fernandez to play a great game most weeks. They need Cavani to be scoring every single week as well. And as you know, it's hard in football to, yeah. to no matter how good you have to perform week in week out. So I think Manchester United's Times come too soon this season for them. They need to back Solskjaer this summer and go again next season. If they do, I think they've got a chance. If they don't, then then they might fall behind again. But this summer will be big for them if they want to compete. Who do you think they, they, they need to bring in? Two positions uh, I am passionate about in terms of guys. They, well, not necessarily guys they should sign as such, but positions. Uh, centre-back and uh, defensive midfield. If you were asking me about a defensive midfielder, I would love to see them go and sign Wilfred and Didi at Leicester. I think he's brilliant in that position. I think he's mobile. He, 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 he recycles the ball very well, which is a problem for Man United. I think Matic is too slow on the ball when he's got it, and Fred sometimes moves a bit too fast for even his own good, because I think sometimes he's, he's moving so fast that I think sometimes he's not entirely sure what he's doing, so Indeed, he would add that that steeliness and calmness to, to a key position. And in terms of a centre-back, I think they, they need a centre-back with pace. If you were to ask me off the top of my head who would that would be, I don't know. I know Upa Meccano has been mentioned at Leipzig, and that would be a cool signing, but I don't know who the centre-half would be for United. Um, but but you, you just have to look at, at Man City. They signed Ruben Diaz. Look at the difference he's made for them. Yeah. And that's what United need. They need somebody with a bit of pace alongside Harry Maguire to help him because although Lindelof is a decent player, he's a good player, I don't think he's the defender who takes you on to winning the league. And there's no shame in that because at the end of the day, 
uh, being a solid Premier League player is something that that you should should be proud of. But as I say, I just don't think he's the man if you if you want to go and and, and win titles time after time. Scott McTominay, who has done brilliant for Manchester United this season, he has, and he's a player who got a lot of stick at times, as you know. Um, a lot of people said, "Oh, only passes it sideways, etc." I think he's on six goals for the season now. He's um, playing better by all accounts in terms of attacking football um, compared to recent years. And and you see the job that he can do in with Scotland. He's been asked to play at centre back. He's played at centre back. And and for me, he's a, he's a player who I think he reminds me of Darren Fletcher in the sense that when Manchester United and Scotland have a big game, you want him in your team. He might not be the guy you play every single game of the season because you might want just a wee bit more creativity in games you're expected to win. But, for instance, when Scotland are playing England at Wembley, he'll be in the team sheet. When Man United are playing a Man City or a Liverpool, he'll be in the team sheet, because for me, he's a big game player. Um, he'll admit himself he's not the best footballer in the world. Um, but, again, he's never painted himself out, that, out to be that. I think sometimes people think, oh, he plays for Man United, so when he plays for Scotland, he's got to, he's got to be a world beater, which it'd be great if he could be, but... but as you know, again, football isn't as easy as that. So, Callum, I just want to get your thoughts on what do you think about VAR in football? Uh, VAR? Oh, a million-dollar question. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, it's too slow for me. I, I, if they could make decisions quickly and it, it was to flow better, I think fans would get behind it. But I think this the thing that frustrates me is a player could score an absolute belting goal and he might be offside by a millimetre. They stop the game, the referee's getting something said to him in his ear. Then he's away over to the TV screen, he's watching it, he's watching it again and again and again. Then he makes the decision and that's not what football's about for me, I think. You know as well as I do, when, when we talk, you talked about football memories growing up, I mean, that Henrik Larson goal against Porto or Chris Templeman's goals against Kilmarnock for, for Morton. And you, and you think of those moments and they bring you joy because you think when the ball hits the net, you're up and you're excited and you're shouting and balling. With VAR, it's kind of changed because even when you score, there's part of you that thinks, is it going to count? Is it not going to count? Are they going to go to a replay? Are they going to do something? Is the, the guy in Stockley Park going to tell the referee to, to chalk it off? So and for me, it's too slow and... I just find it to be. I just find it a bit boring now. If I'm honest, I feel that a lot of people used to say, "See, when we get VAR, we won't talk about referees." But I feel that like we talk about VAR every week, just the way we did about the referees. Remember the game, but Spurs played Manchester City in the Champions League, and I remember that night I was jumping about when Spurs scored, and it took about five or six minutes to to, to decide if that if that was going to be a goal for. Spurs and it, it took us to the Champions League final. Well, that was it. And and again, there's there's highs and lows of football. And and you're right, Spurs get to the Champions League final. What an achievement it was. Pochettino, a manager who I know you've got so much time for, and and so do I. I think it's 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 it's, it's a joyful moment. But can can you imagine if it was the other way about, Regan, and you're jumping about for joy in your your living room or wherever you are, and Mike Dean or whoever the referee is comes back and says, oh, we've had another look at it. Nups buzzer and they go to the final. It would have been heartbreaking. So it can go both ways, as you know. Yeah. So I just want to get your thoughts on 
the football this weekend in Scotland? Because obviously Celtics started the weekend and they won by two goals to one against Motherwell. What, what was your thoughts about Celtic this weekend? I thought Celtic played well first half. I thought David Turnbull was um, was 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 a threat. I was glad to see Stephen Welsh score. And uh, for Celtic, I think he should have had more chances this season. When you consider Shane Duffy's form, he was a player who came on loan to Morton, and he was steady, if not spectacular, at Morton. So to see him get chances at Celtic's very pleasing because it's good to see any young player get opportunities. And you just have to look at somebody like Stuart Finlay who came on loan to Morton and and turned out to be a Scotland international. So. Um, it's great to see loan moves can help players like that. As I say, Turnbull for me, um, Regan is is such a good player. You've been on Go Radio n- a number of times, and I remember you being on speaking to Simon Ferry and Barry Ferguson earlier in the season. And I remember you saying to them, "Why is Turnbull not playing? We're not playing well with Brown in the middle of the park. We're not playing well with Cham. Turnbull's really good. I like him. He's positive. Get him in." And the guys were agreeing with you, and I, I was agreeing with you listening at home, and I thought. I really want to see how they get on here um, when when he gets in the team. And as soon as he's get into the team, I would say he's improved Celtic's midfield. So I really enjoy watching him. I thought he was really good at the weekend. Weird that he came off instead of Rogic. I felt that Celtic should, could have drew the game in the end. I felt they get too defensive towards the end. But a win's a win. And given the form Celtic have been in this season, they'll take any wins they can get because it's been a disaster of a season. So you've got a friendship with with Graham Alexander. How do you think he'll do at Motherwell? I think Graham will do well. Um, he's a coach who believes in his methods. He's down to earth. He's a really nice guy. He's a gentleman. Um, and he's, he's a guy who... He came up to Motherwell. He brought Chris Lucchetti with him, who he's worked with for a number of years. But he wanted to keep Keith Lasley at the club. He wanted to keep Craig Hinchcliffe at the club. And that sums Graham up... Um, he wants to work with people that have got football knowledge and, and uh, a good standard of coaching, and Keith and Craig definitely have that. So I think that will stand them in good stead. Graham's big role for Motherwell between now and the summer is to just make sure they stay in the division. Um, if they can finish seventh or sixth, amazing. But if he can keep them in the division, he'll be judged as of next season, I think. I think Motherwell fans just want a bit of stability, see a bit of progress between now and the summer and then take it on next season. And I think he will deliver that. I mean, Devante Cole's been sensational under him so far. Probably should have scored um, at Celtic Park yesterday, to be honest with you. But as I say, I think he'll be judged on next season. He's going to probably have to replace Declan Gallagher and Alan Campbell next season because both are out of contract. So that'll be a challenge for him. But as I say, I think he'll do a good job. I'm not going to make a big prediction and say he'll finish third and he'll do this and that, but... I think he'll, he'll definitely get them in the top six anyway, put it yeah. that way. St Mirren, they beat Kilmarnock by 2-0. Two, two, two I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, obviously, because Tony Wright has been spoken about about being the new, the, the new manager of, of Kilmarnock. What are your thoughts about Tommy Wright going to, to, to Kilmarnock? I think Tommy Wright would be a great manager for Kilmarnock. Um I think he's a guy who was very good at St Johnston. He won the Scottish Cup with the club. He never had a massive budget at St Johnston, and he always punched above his weight. And if you ask, if you were to ask me, if you're struggling in in this league and you're in a relegation battle, Tommy Wright's the first guy I would phone because he's got experience of building teams. He knows how to set a team up. 
and they'll take you on to another level if you give them time, as he showed with St. Johnson. So I think he's a solid appointment for Kilmarnock. And even if, I don't know the length of the contract, even if it was just to the summer, I think that's money well spent with Kilmarnock because I think he's the sort of guy, he'll come in, he'll win a few games, he'll get players playing with a bit more confidence, he'll, he'll get them shored up at the back. And as I say, I think he'll do a very good job there, regardless if it's now to the end of the season or a two-year deal or whatever it is. I think if he's given time, or even if he's not, even if he's only given six months, I think he'll do a very good job in the time that he's given. So Aberdeen over the past few weeks, I've struggled to put a few, put a, put a few results together. What are you making of Aberdeen? They got beat 2-0 yesterday by, by Hibs. I think Aberdeen's a strange one, I think. Derek McInnes has done a good job at Aberdeen, and I... I like Derek McInnes. Um, I was at St Mirren Aberdeen last year covering the game in the Scottish Cup before the pandemic and the lockdown started. And he drew now now that day. He got some stick from the away fans and he was very open in the press conference after the match. These things happen and I'm happy to show the fans that I still care and I'll win them back over type of thing. So he's a guy who I've got a lot of time and respect for. Pains me to say it in a way because, as I say, he's such a nice guy, but I think for him and Aberdeen, I think they should go their separate ways in the summer. I'm not saying Aberdeen should sack Derek McInnes. I think maybe he and the club should just come to an agreement of saying, look, we've had great times. We've finished third so many times. We've finished second. We've won a cup. It's probably time to move on now. For a fresh challenge for Derek, because I think he's got plenty of, of um, he's got plenty of life left in him. He's got um, another, other opportunities will definitely come his way. And I think for Aberdeen, it would be it would be good to see maybe a new manager go in there and maybe try and play the football the fans want because the the fans um, want to see attractive football. They they're saying that Derek isn't necessarily doing that week in week out. So it'll be interesting to see if someone goes in there and tries to do it whether they're successful because as you again as we both know in football, be careful what you wish for because yeah. look at Arsenal after Arsene Wenger. He he leaves the club. Fans are desperate to get him out. They were poor under Unai Emery. I know they won the, the, the FA Cup under Arteta, but has it got much better for Arsenal? I don't think it no. has. No. I, I was just going to ask you, what do you make of uh, uh, Hamilton Ackies? They drew with Rangers this lunchtime. Hamilton were fantastic today. Um, the stat that sums up how good they were was today was the game this season Alan McGregor had the most saves to make, so... He was. I think he made seven or eight saves today. That shows you how busy he was. Um, he kept Hamilton at bay. They should probably have taken the lead. Rangers then took the lead through an own goal from Brian Easton. And you think to yourself, right, they're going to win again because they've been relentless this season and fair play to them. They, they've not been um, slacking up at all. But they get back in the game through Callahan and added time. And Brian Rice was dancing about the touchline. And rightly so, because... He's had criticism from fans and, and pundits alike this season. I've questioned whether it's a step too far for Hamilton this year, but they always somehow manage it, Regan, and, and I think if they can keep the, the level of performance they had today, they'll be safe. Mark my words, they'll be safe if they if they can play more often like that the way they did today. Yeah. So what do you make of John, John Hughes at Ross County? I like John. Very funny guy. Um, very um, articulate guy and he's, he's someone who wants to play football the right way yeah. he's lost Ross Stewart this month um, which was always going to hurt any team 
um, of Ross County's stature. But Ollie Shaw is doing well. They've got other players in the team who can create chances. It's just about taking them. Defensively, I think if you asked him, he would say they need to keep more clean sheets. But if they can score more goals than the opponents, as, as the cliche goes, they'll be OK. It's easier said than done, of course. But I think he will at least give them a, a good fighting chance of avoiding that automatic relegation slot, which many thought maybe they would be in. So I just want you to speak about, obviously, Celtic this season. They've not had a great season. What do you make of Neil Lennon's position as manager? Again, I'm going to reference yourself, Regan. You were on Go Radio um, after Ross County when Celtic lost. You talked very passionately about Celtic needing to make a change if they wanted to try and compete for the league. And the longer they left it, they'd be in trouble. Everything you said has been proved right. Um, I know obviously the quadruple treble was sealed against Hearts in the Scottish Cup but that was last season's competition let's not forget that I know it's a great achievement but it was last season's competition and when you look at it I think he should have left the club by now Dubai was embarrassing for Celtic I think the the results when they came back were poor Livingston and, and Hibs at home to get two points out of six against those sides no disrespect to them is poor form for a team like Celtic and I would, I would like to see. I've said it. I've said it numerous times. I would like to see Eddie Howe come in and manage Celtic. Yeah. So I just want to ask you about obviously Celtic this week because they sold Jeremy Frimpong, uh, Olivier and Cham, and it was a bit strange with Cham because AVB that he then threw the, threw the toys out of the pram and said he didn't want to be to be manager anymore. He did. I was, to be fair, Seaman and Chamblay Celtic, you thought to yourself, right, he's went to Marseille, so he's gone back to his native France. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I read that the option to buy him for Marseille was what Celtic paid, about four and a half million. So from the outside looking in, I thought, they've got a great deal there. But as you say, somebody didn't tell AVB that. He didn't think so. He was raging and he obviously quit his job. So strange, but. I think for me, um, if you ask me honestly, I think it was time for him to move on from Celtic and Cham. I don't think he's been he's been good this season. Hardly anybody has been. Let's be brutally honest about it. But he's been. I think it's been clear for a while that he's wanted a move away from Celtic. So I'm of the opinion people might call me old fashioned, but I think if you're at a team like Celtic or a Rangers and you don't want to be there, the club should let you go. The clubs are too yeah. big to carry passengers, and I think. You get rid of players who don't want to be there, even if they're really good players and you try and bring in guys that want to be there. Uh, I mentioned them earlier. Look at Turnbull. Look at the difference in Turnbull compared to Encham. You can argue Encham's better than Turnbull at this moment. He's more experienced. But Turnbull wants to be there. He plays with enthusiasm. He wants to make things happen. Whereas I felt at times Encham's head would go down too quickly and, and, and I don't think that's what you need in a season like this. So I just want you to talk a bit about Neil Lennon because obviously, I mean, I've p- personally met Neil Lennon three or four times in the past and he's a great guy, Neil Lennon, but I just feel that he's just been on far too long with Celtic. Again, I agree with you. He is a guy who I think is a lovely guy. I've met him as well on a few occasions and he's always got time for people. He's always got time for for fans and and he's someone who clearly cares about the club but I think when you 
when you look at um, the job this season, it's been very, very poor. And he has to, to put himself, I think he has to put the club above himself, sorry, and, and move on. Yeah. So I just want you to talk about, obviously, you support Manchester United. What would be your favourite Manchester United memories? Favourite Manchester United memories, I would say 2008 against Chelsea in the Champions League final. Um, I thought that was an incredible game. John Terry, of course, would only miss yeah, the penalty. And people, people make a lot of fun about that. But it was a tense game. It was a close game between two good clubs. And and I think it was it was just an incredible game to watch. In terms of other games, the 4-3 game against Man City that Mike Lone scored in is another one oh, I remember yeah. fondly. Well, Mark Hughes, to be fair, was rightly going mad about the amount of added time. I think there was about seven minutes played, and yeah. and that wasn't good. But um, I, as I say, I'd say those two in particular come to mind. Van Persie when he came to United in that first season under Sir Alex was great. Um, in recent years, the, the memories haven't been as positive as you know. Mourinho was quite poor. Van Hal, Moyes. I think Solskjaer's lifted the place, but as I said to you earlier. I think he needs a trophy, and if he doesn't get one this season, they'll give him another year next. But if he doesn't win a trophy next season, they'll move him on. So, I just want to get your thoughts. As a Manchester United fan, are you accepting that this season Manchester United can go another season without, without winning the Premier League? Or are you expecting Manchester United to win, say, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the, the, the Europa League? I think they they really they really should be winning a trophy this season when you consider the performances of Fernandez and others. But I think because they are getting closer to the teams at the top, even if they don't win the league, I think he'll be given another year, even if he doesn't win a trophy. Yeah. So now, Calum, I just want you to talk about the championship in Scotland. Obviously, Hearts are running away with it. At the moment, do you feel that that it's only a case of when not if about Hearts? I think. Yeah, I think Hearts will be crowned champions. I think you're right. I think with the budget they've got, if they don't win the league, then you have to ask serious questions because they've got a bigger budget compared to everyone else. You consider the fact you've got two part-time teams in the division in in Alloa and Arbroath. You've got a team like Morton who whose wage bill is very very low. I think they should be winning the league, as I say, with their resources. A lot of Hearts fans, though, for whatever reason, obviously they watch the team week in, week out compared to, to me, but they don't seem particularly happy with Robbie Nielsen. They're, they're talking about the standard of football not being particularly great. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if they if they do go up, whether he gets a longer-term time at Hearts compared to his last spell or whether he moves on rather quickly again. I think, as you say, though, they will go up and the playoff places, I would expect to see Dundee in there, Dunfermline in there, and uh, the last place is pretty much up for grabs, but as I say, it'll be it'll be an interesting one, I'm sure. So I just want to talk a bit about David, Mar- David Martindale. I've got a lot of time for David because I feel like his story is just amazing, but I, I, I want to try and throw this point. to win the League Cup and they finish in the top six. Surely David Martindale would be in be in contention for manager of the season in Scotland. He definitely will be in contention. I think even if they just finish in the top six, he'll be in contention. I think when you 
look at the job he's done. It's been it's been very, very good. And if he wins the League Cup, then wow, that would be an incredible statement. I think the only way he would win manager of the season, because I think Rangers will win the league and because of stopped ten in a row, I think Gerard will get it. I think the only way Martin Dale would get manager of the year if he won the League Cup and finished third, I don't think you could ignore that. I think you would have to give him it. But that's a tough ask. And I think just with the, the history of this season, I think Stephen Gerrard will get that award. But he will definitely be in contention. Yeah. So, Cam, I just wanted to ask you, uh, is there anything in particular that's popping up on, C- on CFB that people should look out for? Well, um, a chat with Ian Holloway coming out very soon, which I think so many people will enjoy. Um, I'm hoping to confirm a very famous former Celtic player this week. But again, I I can't say who it is just now because it's not confirmed yet. Um, So hopefully I can record that this week and then share with people when it will be out. But um, in terms of things that are coming up, there's there's a, a variety of guests who have played in Scotland, played in England, played in Ireland, played... In Europe, so as I say, if, if you enjoy listening to football interviews or reading football articles, then CFB hopefully is a place that you'll enjoy. Pardon me, interacting with. I mean, we're on Twitter at football CFB. I'm on Twitter at Callum CFB, and the website is cfbfootball.com. And, and as I say, I'm lucky. I've got a team behind me um, of talented writers and current and former professionals that that give their time and. And, and, and just everyone does it, including me, for the love of the game. We've all got jobs outside of football or like Christy Murray, she's currently playing football, of course, at a very high level. So everyone does it for the love of it and to, to give fans a, a genuine insight into into the careers of others and maybe just spark some debate on how maybe our hearts are playing or, or whoever it may be and, and just, to, just to let fans have a say and, and, and engage with us. So... As I say, for me, I love doing it. The, the, the team I've got is is absolutely fantastic, and 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 if you enjoy football, then then give it a go. Yeah. So Scotland qualified for the for the European Championships. How was that for you? Because obviously you'd pretty young the last time Scotland qualified. Absolutely, and um, the last time Scotland qualified, I was three years old. So. Uh, I don't remember it. I've watched videos back. I've spoken to Craig Burley, Craig Brown, who have told me all about the experiences from their perspective. But um, it was it's definitely a an interesting time. And for me, I look I look at what we could achieve. I think when you look at the England game, I don't think we've got anything to fear. And when when you look at the group as a whole, why can't we back ourselves to? To, to maybe cause an upset or two and get through to the knockouts. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, Will Callum, what, what advice would you have for someone that wants to get involved in podcast, media, YouTube channel, or, or anything like that? My main advice, Regan, is very straightforward to everyone that, that wants to do this. Do it for the right reasons. Do it because you're passionate about it. Don't do it because you think you're going to make a lot of money. Don't do it because you think you are going to be famous. Um, as I say, I, I don't earn money from, from football CFB. Um, it's given me great opportunities to speak to people and, and with Football Pass, etc. But as I say, I, I do it for the love of it and it's a passion of mine. So get involved in doing these things for the right reasons and, and yeah. I'm sure it will grow for, for people because it's something that that 
is incredible to do, you know, yourself. I mean, yes. speaking to anyone that's played football um, at a decent level is just, it's just incredible because they can tell us as fans so much more about the game um, than, than maybe we already know, whether it be inside the dressing room, whether it be how you feel when you're on the pitch, how it be uh, when you're injured or, or whatever it may be. So, as I say, do it for the right reasons and if you're scared to do it because you don't believe in yourself, the very cheesy but straightforward message I've got is the only person that can stop you achieving your dreams is you. You're the only person that can say, I can, I'm not going to yeah. do it. If you back yourself, if you put your your time and your energy into it, why won't it grow? Because if you believe in what you do, if you believe in your passion, I thoroughly believe you can make anything of yourself in, in life. And yes, it'll be hard work. Nothing's ever given to you in a plate. But if you believe in yourself and you work as hard as you can, then then why can't there be an opportunity out there for you and, and other people? And I just want to say it's been amazing because CFP has been trending all, all over the world, such as Africa and Asia, and things that must be amazing for you to... Everybody's app- appreciating my podcast from so many of these countries. I'll be honest, you're right, it blows my mind. I mean... It's trended in places like Ecuador. It's tra- trended in places like Vietnam, and it's strange because you could just never imagine something that you're doing um, uh, going that far across the globe. And and as I say, I don't take it for granted. I try and put them all into every show, regardless of it's whether it's um, Henrik Larsson or Kerr Waddle, whoever it is. I'll do the same amount of prep. I'll treat everyone with the same respect and. As I say, I just hope people enjoy it because I absolutely love doing it. And if and if people get enjoyment out of it, then even better because that's what it's all about. If we can make people happy, then it's 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 just incredible. Okay, Callum, I just want to say thank you for for coming on the show. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to be on, Regan. I wish you every success. You know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Keep up your great work with this, and keep going on Go Radio because when you're on there. You make some great points and sometimes I listen to the show and think they should get you on alongside Barry and Simon Ferry and put your opinions across because you're, you're an intelligent guy and you're someone who I enjoy listening to because you're passionate and you're always well thought. You don't just say things for the sake of them and for me that's what makes a good pundit and a good presenter and you're both of those things and so much more. So keep up the great work and thanks for your time. I really appreciate that, mate. Thank you.